Welcome, everyone, to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, Grumpy, uh, this is the third podcast we're releasing this week. Usually, we're on a uh, two-podcast-a-week diet, Grumpy Old Man, with the two live streams coming up. Um, the, the reason we're releasing, I guess, a third one, uh, we had started a podcast series this offseason talking a little specifically about Islander Draft Gems. And we had started off all the way at picks in the seventh and sixth and later rounds, and we have worked our way all the way up to the first round, grumpy old man. And I know with this, there have been so many different first round picks that have panned out and played well. It's it's a little more difficult. So we're segmenting it into two different sections, grumpy. I'm sure as you're going to explain a little bit more. The um, the the build tour years and then the post-build tour years, grumpy old man. That's correct. We're going to do the build tour years, which started in 1972 and go through 1991. He was fired in... Uh, at the end of the 91-92 season. Uh, so we're going to take that 20-year block, the Bill Torre years, and then all the garbage that came after, from all the <laughs> garbage GMs that came after. So, uh, if, I mean, it's it was a really interesting watching this, and we'll uh, list, uh, watching this whole thing. And if, at the end, we're just going to kind of sum up and just realize how fantastic Bill Torre was as a general manager. It was absolutely sensational, honestly. Um, yeah, Grumpy, and I know it's also important to mention when we do bring up honorable mentions that they are in no particular order, Grumpy Old Man. I know on prior podcasts, I jumped on you uh, when I thought you were ordering your honorable mentions. <laughs> so uh, just to go ahead and, and remind everybody, honorable mentions are not in any particular order. And I think, Grumpy, instead of a top three, I think you have a top five just because, again, so many more of these players have been successful in the first round. It's more difficult just to only do a top three. Well, for me, it wasn't. So it's a top three. But I think, you know, my honorable mentions, I have honorable mentions and then honorable, honorable mentions, shall I say. I have my top three, which are like the gold, silver, and bronze medal. And then you have a couple of guys who are close at the wire. And then you have guys who got eliminated, you know, in the preliminary rounds. And then some guys never even made it to the track. Uh, we're not even going to discuss them at all. But it was interesting when I, you know, I kind of looked at this and, you know, not only was Bill Torrey a great general manager, he obviously knew how to find people who turned out to be general managers, which I thought was really, really interesting. There were three first-round picks that he had that turned out to be NHL general managers. And Grumpy, think about how crazy that is. Right now, you said it was over 20 year, about 20-year time span, Bill Torrey was general manager, right, Grumpy old man? 20 years on the button. 20 years on the button. And to think about it, again, I don't know exactly how many first-round first picks they had during that time period, but to rattle off three, three first-round picks converted into you know NHL general managers at one point in time in their career, that's just it's insane. I didn't know that was the case, Crumpy. And four Hall of Famers also drafted in the first round. Think about that. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Um, so I just I don't know. If, do you know who any of these GMs are? Do, I mean, uh, do you want to just take a guess at who some of them are, or you well, just want me just to tell you? Grump, I know one is Tom Fitzgerald. I know that one definitely for sure there with the New Jersey Devils. Um, but I, I'm not sure the other two off the top of my head, Grumpy. Kevin Cheveldayoff, who was GM of Winnipeg, and then Steve Tambellini. Uh, I mean, the best career out of the three was probably Fitzgerald. 
And uh, then after that, Tambellini, Shovel Day Up didn't have much of a career um, at all. But he turned out to be a pretty good general manager. So I thought that was interesting. Um, but like I said, there are a number of honorable mentions. And I'll just briefly bring up, like I said, there's a lot of them. But here's the thing. Because with first-round picks, you expect just about all of them to contribute in some way, shape, or form. I was about to say, it's more shocking if a first-round pick doesn't contribute to your team in some capacity throughout their career, rather in opposed to if they do contribute, grumpy old man. Yeah, absolutely. So, and there's some guys, like I said, just for time purposes, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mention everybody, uh, but like I said, I will uh, bring up some players who I thought deserve a little bit of special mention. Uh, and we'll start with, uh, you know, Billy Harris, the first pick ever for the Islanders, right? I mean, you know, he had a really all right. Was he a Hall of Famer? No, but was he a really good NHLer? Absolutely, he was. And he was, of course, instrumental in the trade that brought us Butch Goring. Uh, extremely well liked. He and Dave Lewis were traded for Butch Goring. And that, you know, the rest they say is history. Uh, but he certainly deserves an honorable mention. He was the first pick of the draft in 1972 for the Islanders. Uh, and I believe number two for the Atlanta Flames was Tom Lysiak, who also wound up being a pretty good player. Um, there were some other guys like Gerald Diddick, who has uh, – he played for the Islanders for a while, and he also has a little – his name was a little bit infamy with Islander fans. Uh, he ended the career of Bobby Nystrom when he accidentally got a – he accidentally hit him with a stick in the eye, and that ended Bobby's career. Um, yeah, grumpy old man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously, you know, that uh, – hate to see it, though. Exactly. I mean, we also, in the first round, drafted two Sutter brothers. Do you know which one? There were seven brothers. Do you know who the two are? Ooh, Grumpy. I know it's not Daryl, who's the most successful coach out of all of them. I know it's not Daryl. Is it uh, Brett? Brett nope. Sutter. Or Brent Sutter. Brent Sutter was one. And one of our honorable mentions, which was Dwayne Sutter. He was a blood and guts, third line uh, forward, uh, would do anything for the team, he would fit in perfectly on today's team. Abs I mean, absolutely. He uh, Fantastic. I love Brent Sutter. I, I'm sorry. I love Dwayne Sutter. I love Brent Sutter too. But Dwayne was, you know, part of those Stanley Cup teams. And I remember some of the interviews he did after those Stanley Cup wins. It was it was priceless. Uh, you know, but there were some other guys. You got to remember. I mean, you think about captains that, uh, you know, get picked by us too. I mean, Pat Flatley, a little bit before your time. He's another guy who would have fit in really well on the current team that we have now. Just a solid citizen, uh, you know, 45, 50, sometimes, you know, upwards of 60 points a year. Um, wound up going to the Rangers at the end of his career, but he was an Islander through and through. Uh, and somebody else is an honorable mention was Derek King, who really flourished in that 1993 season uh, where we made it to the Stanley, the Eastern Conference Finals against uh, Montreal. Yep, last time we had made it to the Eastern Conference Finals since uh, this last year, Grumpy, 2020. <laughs> exactly. Think about how long ago that was. That's, I mean, that's how long. And that was, you know, that was the end for Al Arbor pretty much after that. Um, you know, but it was just interesting that it's been so long. And that just tells you if it's that long in between, it probably means you're not drafting too well. You know, or you're not managing your assets. That's for certain. And that certainly was the case uh, with the Islanders post-Bill Torrey. Yeah, Grumpy. Now, that, does that conclude your honorable mention segment here? Yeah. I mean, there are a couple other guys like Pat Price and, uh, 
you know, guys of that ilk, but you know, hey, let's get let's get to the meat and potatoes of our top five. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, Grump. Who you have at number five? Number five, I had the other Sutter brother, Brent Sutter. Uh, he was a captain of the team for the while, another blood and guts player. Everybody liked Brent Sutter. I mean, for the Islanders, I mean, he played 694 games that had 610 points. I mean, you know, 287 goals. Those are pretty good numbers any way you want to slice it. Would you not agree? Yeah, Grump. Yeah, I was about to say here. And again, like it, when you're looking at these first-round picks, again, like uh, gaudy points is – Obviously moves you up the list, but you know back during that Tory time period, they weren't scoring as many goals as they do now. I mean, they've tried to done. Oh, I mean, like again, there wasn't a butterfly style goalie back then either. But they've tried to do anything they can in today's game to uh, increase the amount of goals. <laughs> so, grumpy old man, I, I know most of our listeners there do understand that also. But just to reiterate for people who aren't familiar, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and like I said, he was a team captain and. Uh, just a real solid citizen. He was also a coach and he wound up getting traded to Chicago. We're going to touch on that a little bit later. Well, I was about to say grumpy old man. I, do you know off, your, off the top of your head, grumpy, how many of those Sutter brothers were coaches? I mean, I feel like it's, I don't know the exact number of all seven or not in some capacity, but I mean, Daryl obviously has been the most successful uh, Sutter coach. Um, but uh, I mean, like I feel like all those setters have had their, you know, had their uh, fair shake at being a coach at one point in time or the other. Yeah, I, I mean, I know there were at least three. So, but it, like I said, there there are seven brothers played in the NHL, and you know, Brent. I think Brent was probably the most talented out of all of them. Um, I mean, he was a Selkie finalist. Uh, gosh, I want to say in his career, like eight or nine times. Dude. I mean. I mean, like I said, he was a solid two-way player. You think about it, you're scoring almost a point a game and you're, you know, a Selkie finalist, you know, pretty much the majority of your, your career. I mean, you want, to play, you want to play 19 years in the league. Think about that. And, and I will say this much, Grumpy, right? You hear, I mean, I guess you don't hear it as often now, but I mean, a few years ago, you used to hear about how impressive it was, you know, to have all the Stahl brothers up there in the NHL in some capacity. I mean, it was Mark, Eric, and Jordan. Now, are there four Stahl brothers, Grumpy Old Man? I think there's four Stahl brothers. There's one who wasn't, Mark, who didn't stick. I think there was one all one other brother who didn't stick as long, Grumpy. I'll have to look that up. But I mean, you used to hear about it all the time. Look how many Stahl brothers are up there in the NHL. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if there was a family <laughs> in present day hockey that had seven, seven different players in the NHL or, you know what I mean? That's hard to believe, Grump. Yeah. Well, the twins, Rich and Ron, I think they both played for the Flyers. Um, you know, you had Daryl, Dwayne, Brett and Brent. Daryl, Dwayne, Brett and Brett. Gotcha. You know, here's the thing. They weren't my brothers, but they were an awful lot of them playing in the league. I mean, and it, you think about it. That's absolutely incredible. I mean, think about it. Uh, I, the only thing I think there are, there is like the Hughes, like Quentin Hughes and Jack Hughes. And I think they have another younger brother who they say might be the best. I think he's eligible for this year's draft. So it's not seven, but it's three. So it's kind of like the stalls. <laughs> okay. So there's only three stall brothers. For whatever reason, I thought there was a fourth, but uh, there's only, oh, no, no, no. There is a fourth. 
Jared Stahl. Okay, I thought there was a fourth, grumpy old man. I was about to say, and like I thought there was a fourth. I think Jared Stahl played wing. He only played two games in the NHL. But again, yeah, Eric, Mark, and Jordan. But to think about it, seven brothers at one point in time in the NHL. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think we're ever going to see anything like that again. Hey, they know what they're doing up there in Western Canada. What can I tell you? They definitely knew what they were doing out there in the backyard. I'll tell you that much. Whatever they're doing at bred athletes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, we're coming to our last honorable mention. Like I said, I like to go gold, silver, and bronze. And this is the guy who just lost out of the tape, honestly. A really, I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. Now, he's an NHL Hall of Famer, but he never won anything. And if you don't win anything, I don't think you get credit. I'm talking about Patty LaFontaine, uh, who was really a fantastic player. And he was really, really good for the Islanders as well. I mean, you think about – just think about how many points he had for the Islanders, right? I was about to say, now, Pat LaFontaine, grumpy old man, put up gaudy numbers. And I know, like, we talked about Sutter's numbers, which were definitely good. Pat LaFontaine put up gaudy numbers, video game-esque. Yeah, I mean – you know, besides the fact that he was up for the Bing Trophy like seven times in his career, he was a second-team All-Star once. Uh, he had in nine and eight seasons with the Islanders, he played 530 games, had 566 points and 287 goals. He wound up leaving over a contract dispute. Uh, the Islanders wanted to sign him to a four-year deal for six million dollars. Boy, have times changed, right? It changed. I'm like, not six million a year. It was $6 million. I was about to say, I'm glad you clarified that, grumpy old man, because I know some of the younger fans are probably thinking, oh, yeah, $6 million a year, sure, with inflation, not so bad. But, yes, four years for a total of $6 million. So you're talking about, on average, $1.5 million a year. So Think about talking- that. Hall of Famers making $1.5 million a year over a four-year time period. That's the same exact contract that Matt Martin has, grumpy old man. That's what I was going to say. So you're, you're getting a guy who scored, you know, 105 points, 92, 88, 85, 70, all for your team, and you're getting Matt Martin for him now. Just think about that. I'll tell I mean, you one thing. The players, the players, <laughs> the players association has definitely helped out increase the, the salary cap and how much these players are getting paid. Also, inflation does in, in account there for that too, Grump. Absolutely. I mean, he wound up playing 15 years in the league, right? Like 865 games, and he had 1,013 points and 468 goals. I mean, when I mean you're, you're averaging over a point a game at that point, grumpy old man. Absolutely, you're out, right. I mean, his biggest year was in Buffalo. Grumpy, uh, I've got to ask, is absolutely the word of your choice, grumpy old man? I'm hearing absolutely a lot out of you today, grumpy. I've got to give you a hard time. <laughs> I've been drinking vodka all night after you know watching the Islanders beat the Rangers tonight. So absolute vodka, absolutely. <laughs> Sounds good, grumpy old man. And you're gonna say, gosh, with a guy putting up that those type of gaudy numbers, how come he's not in the top three all time of the Bill Torrey years? There's a reason. He didn't win a Stanley Cup. Okay. And the top three guys on my list did win Stanley Cups. And a lot – and here's the thing. People could disagree with this list all they want. I think number one and two are automatic, but maybe they'll disagree with number three, who for me is Clark Gillies, uh, another Hall of Famer, the quintessential power forward. 
That's what I like to call him. I mean, he was absolutely fantastic. And you have to think, he made first-team All-Star twice, okay? Uh, and just think about what he brought to the team. Nobody messed around with Mike Bossy. Why? Because he played on the line with Clark Gillies. But Clark Gillies wasn't a goon. I mean, he scored over 30 goals in his career six times. I mean, just think about that. I mean, he was also a team captain. Uh, you know, but he didn't have excessive penalty minutes, but nobody wanted to mess with him. I mean, he was a, his nickname was Jethro. I don't do you know who Jethro is? Grump, I, I can't tell you I do. I don't know who Jethro is. Okay. I've heard I've heard the word and the name thrown around, but I'm not sure exactly what it is, Grump. Okay. Jethro was a uh, there was a comic strip, and Jethro was a member of the comic strip. It was a gosh, I cannot remember the name of the comic strip, but they played like hillbillies. And uh, Jethro was uh, a big, good-looking guy, super strong. They played him as not too smart. I don't think that was the case with Clark Gillies, uh, but that was his nickname was Jethro, and nobody messed with Jethro. So he was out there protecting Bossy and Trottier, kind of like Ross Johnson does, but with a hell of a lot more score. I was about to say, there's a, there's a lot more talent, I'm sure, associated with, with Clark Gillies' game than uh, with Ross Johnson, grumpy old man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he was in the top 10 for the Hart Trophy one year. Like I said, twice he was first-team All-Star. Just think about that. Um, you know, he was also a Selkie finalist twice. I mean – you know, those are that was a pretty good numbers. And I, yeah, you know, it took a while for him to get into the Hall of Fame, and I could never understand it. I mean, okay, he didn't score 500 goals, but I mean, he did have 304 and 663 points. I mean, but it was the intangibles that he brought and the physicality of the game that, that really the game lacks today. To be mm. honest, for certain, grumpy old man, I want to know who are in your top three, though, Grump. I've got well, to know. He, I'm sorry, he's number three. I need to know who number two and number one are, Grumpy. Now, this is tough, right? But there was a deciding factor for me on why someone became number one. Now, do you know who the top two are? Just guessing who the top two are. Grumpy, I'm letting you go. You're taking a lead here, Grump. I want to hear who's number two and number one for you, Grumpy old man. Okay. For me, number two is Mike Bossy. And you're going to go. Really? I was about to say, really, Grumpy. That's why I was waiting. I didn't want to go ahead and jump in. I want to hear I, – before I jump it, I want to hear your reasoning. That's why Bossy's number two, Grump. Well, I'm just going to tell you what Mike Bossy did, right? Four-time cup winner, three-time Lady Bing winner, rookie of the year, eight-time All-Star, Hall of Famer, Smythe Trophy winner for playoff MVP, scored 583 goal, uh, 573 goals in his career in 10 years. Every year, except for his last year, he scored 50 or more goals. 50 or more goals. I was about to say, Grumpy, that's the record. That is the record. Yes. I know, Grumpy. That's why I said that's the record. And think about it. I mean, if he stayed healthy, he was probably the best natural goal scorer maybe that this sport has ever seen. Man, I get it. You know, Gretzky put up gaudy numbers, video game numbers. But, I mean, you know, 50 goals, what is it? for? Was it 11 years, Grumpy? Or 10 years in a row? Or was uh, it nine years? I can't remember off the top of my head. Bossy did that nine years in a row. Nine years. I knew it was I knew it was right around nine or ten, uh, Grumpy Old Man. But again, I, you know, arguably the best natural goal scorer in the history of the game. So, Grumpy, I want to hear why you have him at number two. 
Okay. Uh, you see, then let me finish. I know. So, that's why I was trying to prevent myself from jumping in when you're like, hey, what do you think about it? I'm like, I don't even want to entertain it because I'm going to get derailed, grumpy. So I'm going to let you continue. Okay. Seven times he scored over 100 points in a season. Twice was over 90. The only year was his last year, and it was because of the back injury. Okay. That wound up ending his career. He finished, he played 63 games his last year when he was finished at age 30, 63 games, 38 goals, 37 assists, 75 points. It was the only time in his career that he was a minus and plus minus. Think about that. Do you remember what his reputation is coming into the league? The guy couldn't play defense. No defense. And here's the thing. I'm not saying he was a great defensive forward, but he wasn't a black hole out there that cost your team goals. I want you to think about his plus minuses. 31. But these are all pluses. 31, 63, 28, 38, 69, 27, 65, 37, 30. I mean, just think about that. I'll tell you one thing, Grump. All the stats geeks who love looking at plus minus would be infatuated with those numbers for certain. Again, you know, obviously, you know, I, I, well, he's number two on your list there for the Bill Torrey era, but <laughs> most people I'm sure would have him as the best pick Bill Torrey had there in the first round, Grumpy. Uh, but I'll let you continue. I digress. And a lot of people would say that he's the greatest Islander of all time. Yeah. But for me, the number one Bill Torrey first-round draft pick is Dennis Potvin. Absolutely. First of all, he's a defenseman, right? Four-time cup winner. Seven-time All-Star, three-time Norris Trophy winner. And think about it. When he was playing, Bobby Orr was still playing, and Larry Robinson was still playing. He also won the Rookie of the Year Award, the Calder Trophy. And, of course, he's a Hall of Famer and an Islander legend. For certain, grumpy old man. Again, I... (laughs) I, don't, I guess it's tough. I would probably put Bossy slightly ahead of Potvin, but Grumpy, you know, I can't fault you too much. Um, I, I'd be interested. I, I wonder how many people are split on that. Well, that's fine. They can be split, you know, but here he is, five-time first-team All-Star, right? Hart Trophy finalist seven times in his career. Think about that. For a defenseman, scored 101 points one year, scored 30 goals, 31 goals. I mean, his plus-minus was off the chart. I mean, off the charts as well. Career, 456. But the main reason, because like I said, it was close, really close between the two of them. He was also a captain. Mike Bossy wasn't a captain. But the real reason why he is above Mike Bossy is the Ranger fans absolutely hate him. <laughs> so, you know, you get more points for that. I mean, let's be honest, right? Potvin sucks. Even now, he's a television announcer. For the Florida Panthers, anytime he goes into the garden, he gets Potvin sucks chance because of the clean shot that he took on that squirrely little punk, Ulf Nielsen, broke his little ankle, and that ended ended the Islanders' chances to win a Stanley Cup. That ended the Rangers' chances, Grumpy. Right. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. That's right. Yes. I'm just so excited today because we killed the Rangers today. So I was about to say, we're recording this here on – what day is it? Thursday, Thursday. Thursday evening, Grumpy, after the Islanders went ahead and showcased a dominant performance against the New York Rangers, Grumpy. And some players that are your absolute favorite, Grumpy, had some amazing performances. All I'm going to say is this, Grumpy. 
I am so excited. I don't want to give too much away. I'm so excited for Saturday's live stream, Grumpy Old Man, because it's going to be fun for me. And anytime certain players do well, Grumpy, oh, I'm always smiling. Well, that's great. If the odds <laughs> win, I'm happy. That's all I can say. You, know, you can do your petty little vendettas that you like because some of your little favorites do something well. But, you know, all I care about is team performance, and that's what I care about. Look at you trying to take the the moral high ground here, Grumpy. Look at that. A move I never would have expected from you. Grump, I actually should have expected that from you, Grumpy. That's Ooh. right. I, I always take the high ground. You're exactly uh -huh. right. Or you pretend to take the high ground. All right, Grumpy. Now, finish up with those statements there on, on Dennis Potvin, and I want to hear a little bit about the next crop of first-round draft picks after the Bill Tory era. Right. Now, uh, like I said, to me, obviously, I want to say probably – a top four defenseman in the history of the NHL. Uh, just think about that. Think about the guys that five Hall of Famers that were drafted overall. You got Brian Trottier, probably the best two-way center the game has ever seen. You have Dennis Potvin, a top five defensive player in the history of the game. Mike Bossy, a, certainly a, a, any way you cut it, a top five goal scorer natural goal scorer in the history of the game. You got Clark Gillies, who's probably a top five or top 10 power forward in the history of the game. And these are all guys that you drafted. Just think about that all within a couple of years. Uh, Gillies, that, well, that's grumpy. That's why we had such, such a dynasty, grumpy old man. Again, you'll never see a team ever win four Stanley Cups in a row again. Just right. impossible. I mean, the seasons are just way too long, grueling, and arduous in order to do that, grumpy. Well, and the salary cap era. Oh, that too. But even even if there wasn't a salary cap era, I mean, like the game's very physical, takes a toll. I feel like you have a lot more injuries now um, than you did back then to Grump. So, well, and I just I just want to bring up just one more thing about the greatness of Bill Torrey, right? You look at the like the two of the guys who are my you know four and five Lafontaine and Sutter. They both got traded right around the same time. In Bill Torrey's last year there, before he was fired, they'd been on a little bit of a downturn. And he wound up trading uh, Pat LaFontaine uh, as part of, a, I think, with Randy Wood to the Buffalo Sabres. And that turned out to be for Pierre Turgeon, Benoit Hogue, and Yuri Krupp, and I think Dave McIlvain, right? And then he trades Brent Sutter to Chicago for Steve Thomas and Adam Creighton. You're like, oh, hey, fantastic. But you think about it. With Derek King, who we talked about earlier as an honorable mention, uh, Pierre Turgeon, and Steve Thomas, that was the line, the dominant line for the 1993 Islanders. And even though Bill Torrey wasn't there, his fingerprints were still on that team in 1993. So I just, and uh, Yui Krupp was a really good defenseman, and uh, Benoit Hogue was on the second line. I mean, all those guys contributed mightily to that 1993. Krupp went on to play for Colorado, which won a Stanley Cup championship. So, I mean, that was the end. And then he was gone at the end of that year. So just shows the greatness of Bill Torrey. For certain, Grumpy. I mean, <laughs> we only hope <laughs> that – oh, I mean, Lou's been very successful in his career also. But, you know, if Lou could ever make – I don't know if he has enough uh, managing years left in him to have the impact – or an impact somewhat sort of similar to what Tory had on the Islanders just because of the uh, the amount of time he's got left probably to be a general manager. But, again, you can only dream to have a general manager 
<laughs> as as great as Bill Torrey here for the Islanders once again. It's not going to be Lou Lamarillo. Absolutely not. Well, Grump, I don't want to. We're not. We're not going to talk about that, Grump, because I know you can get sidetracked. Well, I'm just. I'm just saying he's not going to be here forever. Well, no, I mean, I, I'm saying even after, even after the Lou Lamarillo days, you can only dream of having a general manager as good and talented as Bill Torrey again. Again, he's one of the top GMs in the history of the game. I mean, that's that's all. You, that's all you can say. He's a member of the Hall of Fame, also. Yep. I mean, you know, you get the Hall of Fame, you're doing something right. <laughs> Grump, I want to hear about the post-Bill Tory days. There are yeah. some really, really dark and dreary time periods, some really missed first-round picks, Grumpy. But I want to hear some of your honorable mentions here for first-round picks after the Bill Tory era. Okay, before I get into that, before I get into that, I want to talk – because you remember we had the big Zidane Chara discussion in the third round when you lost your mind, as I remember because I had him ranked third. Well, um, after you explain your reasoning again, it makes more sense. You have you your reasoning, Grumpy. It's, you know. <sighs> it's spot on. It's spot on. <laughs> just say it's spot on. <laughs> I just want to give you some names of some guys who were drafted post-Bill Torrey, who for reasons that, you know, hey, we wanted to try to be a winner. We didn't know what we were doing with the player. The players that we actually traded that were first-round picks were better than anyone who had Long Islander careers for the most part. I just want to run down this yeah, list. That is just the luck of the New York Islanders company during that time period. I mean, you know what? Milbury was not a bad drafter. I mean, he was picking in the top five every year, but for the most part, he hit on players, right? Well, hell, I'll say Milbury probably had a better <laughs> – Record maybe in drafting top five top five players in the NHL draft than Gar Snow did, Absolutely. and they both had an ample amount of picks in that in that time in that time range too. Absolutely, I'm just going to name just some names who certainly had uh, didn't play much for the Islanders and had really good success elsewhere. Right, Roberto Luongo, arguably arguably a Hall of Famer, Grumpy. Right. Todd Bertuzzi, right? Another power forward, right? Took him a while to develop. They moved on from him. I mean, in that ill-fated trade to Vancouver. I was about to say unfortunate because, I mean, Lyndon really didn't even play that much for us. Yeah. yeah. He and McCabe. It was Bertuzzi and McCabe. Boy, think about that, right? Bad deal. Eric Brewer. Remember Eric Brewer? Defenseman, right, Grumpy? Defenseman. Played 16 years in the league. He just I mean, recently retired, didn't he? Just recently retired. Yes, I was about to say, did. he was on Tampa. Not even Was it a few years ago he was on Tampa, he I think? Tampa. He played on a number of teams, St. Louis. Um, but, you know, 16 years in the league gave him away. Uh, Wade Redden. Do you remember Wade Redden? Name sounds, name sounds familiar, Grumpy. Another defenseman. He was drafted number two by the Islanders after Brian Berard. That draft happened in June. In I believe it was December or January, Ottawa traded Berard for Redden and somebody else. I don't remember who. Berard, you know, gets the cut on the eye, uh, falls out of favor with the Islanders. Wade Redden, I think most a lot of people are going to remember him for the contract that he signed with the Rangers, um, which was way too much money for way too much term for diminishing talent. Uh, but he was a really good defenseman for Ottawa for a number of years. 
And, you know, one guy who doesn't get a whole lot of – J.P. Dumont. Remember J.P. Dumont? Yes, I do. And we wound up giving him away for a bag of pucks. And he wound up playing a lot of years in the league and, you know, had over 600-some-odd points, was a captain uh, for Buffalo Sabres. I mean, these are just guys that we gave up on and got relatively nothing in return. And, Grump, that was a time period when the Buffalo Sabres were good, too. Grumpy, they were competing around that time period, too. It's not like they were the Buffalo Sabres of today. That's correct. I mean, they weren't a great team, but sure enough. Um, then, I'm, I, you know, I'm looking. I'm like, gosh, I look at the Garth Snow years. And I see, you know, year after year, nobodies, nobody who does anything, right? I mean, just look at some of the names. I, I just think that some of these names are just going to live in infamy. You know what I'm saying? You're talking about your Sean Bergenheims, mm-hmm. your Robert Nielsens, your uh, Pateri Nokalainens, your Ryan O'Maras. I mean, uh, nothing. You're getting nothing from your from your first-round draft picks. I mean, and then I'm like, gosh. What about the guys who are honorable mention? They're all the same. You got – and here's the, here's the guys who are my honorable mention, okay? I'm just going to throw a bunch of them out there, and they're all the same. They're Jags, right? And so two people on here, you're going to say, oh, I can't even believe you mentioned them because of your hatred of them. Do you know who those two are? See if you can take a guess. Well, I know one of them has to be Josh Bailey, and the other one probably is Brock Nelson, Grumpy. You're exactly right. Well, after tonight's performance, Grump, I need you to bump up Brock Nelson up on that list. He's honorable mention. He's honorable mention. <laughs> That's all I have to say, right? He's honorable mention. Well, after I, well, I, tell, I will tell you this, Grump. I, after Josh Bailey does retire and his number gets put up there in the rafters for the Islanders, Grumpy old man, <laughs> what, what are you going to do then, Grumpy? Does he have to go ahead and make the top three? No. I'm just – of course, I'm being facetious. I don't think his 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 number is going to be retired there for the Islanders. Again, I, I've always said there's there's there has to be a lot there has to be a lot of more leg there has to be a lot more legwork in order for him to have his number retired. Like I'm talking about winning Stanley Cups as the organization, and he has to continue to put up you know 50, 60 plus point seasons year over year. So Grump, obviously being a little facetious, but I, I had to figure you'd have his honorable mention there, Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey in some capacity. They were, and I also put Ryan Pulak in there. And what does it tell you when I'm picking guys who've been drafted just recently for the most part? There was a real lack of productive Islander draft picks. There, I, I was about to say, Grumpy, it sounds like there's been a dearth of uh, successful Islander draft picks in the first round. And you want to know why the Islanders have been down for so long, right? It's because you don't draft well, and when you do – you trade those players away, like the aforementioned Luongo, Bertuzzi's, Brewers, Reddens, blah, 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 on and on and on. Not even talking about the guys whose careers that they ruined, right? Think about Nino Niederreiter, right? You look at Nino Niederreiter's numbers and Ryan Strom is another one. Look at their numbers. They are right in line with Josh Bailey and Brock Nelson. Right in line. I was surprised when I found that out, actually. Well, I feel like Strom really found his his rhythm there. And for the Rangers um, last year, for certain, he kind of picked it up. And I mean, again, Strom is one of those guys who kind of bounced all over the place there. Um, after Edmonton, he went there to the Rangers. And again, even we're talking about Nino Nitera, this is another guy who's been out of three teams already in his career. I mean, it was the Islanders and it was the Wild and then the Carolina Hurricane Grumpy. But yeah, those are guys where we did rush development. And I, 
I mean, Strom's a little bit of a different case. I never understood why in his sophomore season he got bumped down to a bottom six role after producing like 50 or 60 points. I didn't think Strom was the greatest thing since sliced bread. But, you know, I mean, the kid line back in the day, I mean, now we're really ticking the clock back, Grumpy old man. The kid line used to be Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, and Ryan Strom. The kid line, Grumpy. And now those players are all veterans in the NHL. Now they could be called the oaf line. <laughs> we're old as figure it out yourself. Old as figure it out yourself, Grumpy. That's okay. right. So just think about what well, just think about it, right? But Ryan, you're right. Ryan Strom had 50 points his rookie year, and then the second year they bury him. I, I never understood that. And that was right after they ruined Nino, right? I mean, they ruined him. They they I mean it was just it's so dumb, it's scary. Previous regime, of course. And again, Ryan Strom's not the best, you know, he's not the best forward since you know, there's ever been in, ever but been he, uh, out there on the ice. He's a top five pick. He's number five. He was a number five pick. Think about that. We could have had Ryan Couturier. That's the guy who I wanted. Sean Couturier, grumpy. I would have even taken his brother Ryan. <laughs> I don't think he's got a brother named Ryan. But yeah, you've always, you always did like Sean Couturier drafted by the Flyers. Right. And like I said, I think that uh, Pulak has a chance to turn into one of the better first round draft picks in the last 30 years. Uh, let's just put it that way, right? Or 28 years that it's been since Bill Torrey left. Uh, so just think about that. And then my last uh, my last honorable mention is someone who was drafted the first year that Bill Torrey wasn't there. A defenseman from Lithuania, uh, aggravating guy, get underneath your skin, played with Rich Pallon in that 90, as uh, his defense partner in that 93 playoff run, Darius Kasparitis. Uh, I mean, just he was a blood and guts, hip checker, was hell on wheels, uh, really gave it to Mario and Yager uh, back in the day, just real physical, a real agitator, and I absolutely loved him on our team. I will also say this, grumpy old man. You mentioned Rich Pallon. Again, if you guys haven't checked it out just recently, I think our last podcast released, uh, we we had a chance to interview Rich Pallon and talk and speak there with Rich Pallon. I'll tell you, the NHL stories, the stories about hijinks and life lessons were <laughs> – it was funny and insightful all at the same time, grumpy old man. Yeah, but Darius Kasparite is that last honorable mention spot for you. Yeah, definitely go in the archives and listen to the Rich Pallon interview. It was great. Um, and those are the honorable mentions. Now, just think about that. If the, you think about the honorable mentions that I gave you from the Bill Torrey era and this list of honorable mentions. Well, yeah, well, I, grumpy – you put like a, I mean, like you're looking over guys like the Luongos, the Brewers. I mean, like guys like that did produce, just not for us, and we just happened to unfortunately trade them when they did wind up having long and successful NHL careers. That's the unfortunate part about it. I mean, back in the, back during that time period, we, I mean, again, you mentioned Millberry didn't miss. He had quite a few good picks. I mean, again, sure he had the DPHROs. I mean, DPHRO obviously had the injury issue, which you know did him in. But I mean, he had some pretty successful picks there. You know, his top five picks and the Islanders now currently not as much. I mean, I could think of a handful, really one that played for the Islanders for a significant amount of time for more than five or so years. That was, you know, a top five pick, grumpy old man. That's going to be on that list. Yeah. But, and I'm sure now I'm going to let it play out, grumpy old man. I'm not going to say anything. I want you to give me who's number three on this list because I don't want to jump the gun like I did in the Bill Tory era as number one and two. So I just want you to say who is number three on your list, grumpy. Okay. First of all, I didn't bring up Rick DiPietro. 
for a reason because I'm still angry that he traded Roberto Wongo to draft Rick DiPietro when he could have drafted Marion Gabrick, probably a Hall of Famer, or Dan, which are things that we needed. Those were the guys who were going to the consensus number one and number two. Grump, 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 get over it. It was like 15-some-odd years ago. I want to hear who you have at number three post-Bill Torrey era. It was 24 years ago. Thank you. I was about to say, oh, everybody, 20 plus years ago. I don't know, Grump. It was a while ago. You got to get over it, Grumpy. What the, yeah. Well, but, but here's the thing. I mean, you could throw him an honorable mention. That's fine, too. It doesn't matter. He doesn't make my top three. I had a hard time getting three. My number three could have been an honorable mention. Uh, one of Garth Snow's draft picks is Kyle Ocposo. I thought he had instant chemistry with one of the top two. Without a doubt. I like uh, how you said top two, Grumpy, without – okay. You're leaving us in suspense. Okay, top two. Gotcha. One of the top two. Uh, he, uh, he was a solid citizen. Um, he left because of free agency. But, I mean, I think he was a super fan favorite. Um, I think everybody loved Kyle Ocposo. For certain. Again, that's a, that's another guy. When I think about fan favorite, I put him almost on a lever, level or near the level that Matt Martin is a fan favorite. I mean, fans love Kyle Ocposo. I mean, how could you hate Kyle Ocposo? Yeah, no. I mean, you know, he had some – I mean, was he spectacular? No. He was another guy who showed flashes, could really stick handle at times, and did things that just left you in awe. Never finished the play, but came so close and made, you know <laughs> – Made it created, but you know, we just would miss that last little oomph that would, you know, create the goal to make it a highlight real play sometimes. I'll tell you one thing about Kyle Ocposo. All I can remember when I remember Kyle Ocposo too is how much I hate Dion Panuff. Yeah, that's that's something, that's something I'll never forget is how much I hate Dion Panuff after some of those dirty hits. Uh, grumpy, but yes, Kyle Ocposo, number three, grumpy old man. Um, that's Years ago, get over it. That's ten years ago. Shouldn't I just tell you that right now? No, just I said that's something. That's something I associate with the grumpy. I do not like the ump enough, though. Still to this day. No, he he was a cheap shot and punk. Absolutely, I, I, he, he did that throughout his career. It wasn't like it was just an isolated incident. I, I want to go back though for a sec, Grump. Sure. I'm shocked that Anthony Bavillier is not on your honorable mentions list. Maybe it's because he only had one consistent year. Maybe he'll grow into a role there, Grump. But, you know, I, I think Anthony Bavillier is close to being on that honorable mention list, Grumpy. Yeah, I mean, he's got 127 points in his career. Is that good enough to get you an honorable mention as a first-round draft pick? I don't think so. I mean, even Bailey, even the king of the secondary assist has done better than that. He was only drafted, what, five years ago, Grumpy? Anthony yeah. Bivillier. So I mean again, he's still got he's still got time left. That's why I said he he's I'm sure he'll be on the list at one point as an honorable mention. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I was just shocked he didn't make. I was like, oh, this is a person, you know, uh close to an honorable mention. But I digress. Well, for time, you know, I just can't include everybody. And like I said, he hasn't, you know, think about it. What has he been really two, two and a half years in the league? I'd say yeah, probably three, yeah. Okay. Well, not not yet. Not yet. Um, I, I his thing. I'd love for him to be one of the top three when all is said and done. Wouldn't that be great? I think it would be. I would. <laughs> I mean, so there you go. But you know, Kyle Ocposo was number three, and my top two I thought were pretty easy. Um, and uh, do you do you want to guess who number two is? Well, I got to jump in. Anthony Bavilli has played four years in the league. I couldn't remember if it was three or three and a half. Four years, about four whole years in the league. Grumpy. This will be his fifth. Um, now, you asked me who is number two, Grumpy? Who do you think is number two? I'm going to give you number one and number two are both centers. 
Really? They're both centers. Now, does one of these players happen to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Just recently had a departure. Some would say a a quite tumultuous one from the Islanders organization where he said he wanted to stay on the island and then determined that it was his childhood dream to go to Toronto so the Islanders didn't get any draft capital back in return for him and trade him at the deadline. Is there somebody that might fit that criteria, Grumpy, in the top two? I also believe you're correct. I also believe he has Toronto Maple Leaf pajamas. Also. Oh, okay, gotcha, Grumpy. And now is the other one who's in the top two? Is he that kid who won the Calder? Calder Trophy, yes, the kid who won the Calder Trophy. You're correct. Okay, uh, Grumpy. I as much as I dislike, uh, well, I don't dislike John Tavares. You I just, do. I, 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 okay, back. I'm going back up. I don't dislike John Tavares. I dislike him lying and not allowing us to get extra draft capital. That's what I don't like, Grumpy, because, hell, we talked about it. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to side trail it. But even that year, I mean, who was traded to the Vegas Golden Knights that year on the trade deadline? Uh, Nyquist. Nyquist was traded for a first-round pick from the Ve- uh, from the, uh, the Detroit Red Wings to the Vegas Golden Knights for a first-round pick. Could you have imagined what John Tavares would have received back in return if we traded him at the trade deadline? That's more what I'm upset about. Anyway, you know, Got to live and learn. It was, what now, almost three years ago? Uh, That being said, Grumpy, I have to assume that right now Matt Barzal is number two on the list and John Tavares is number one on the list. Boy, you must have been reading my list because that is exactly the way I have it. Well, and again, like I'll provide my rationale behind it first before you do. Um, I think Matt Barzal is an extremely talented player. I I think – Given if he had, you know, if he was a rookie the same year John Tavares was, I think that, you know, they could be interchangeable. I think maybe Barzal actually uh, slightly paces out John Tavares due to John Tavares's lack of success there in postseason play or lack of even really making the postseason. Um, that being said, grumpy old man, obviously John Tavares does have more time under his belt, but also John Tavares had some really crummy line mates with the outers, some really, really crummy line mates for quite some time. And you saw him create these crummy line mates and really help them cash in on huge deals. I mean, how many, you just would see these retreads like the PA Parentos, the Matt Mulder, again, nice guys, but like the not, not very talented hockey players like your PA Parentos, your Matt Molsons that would get paired up with them there on the first line. And, you know, they'd cash in, they'd put up 50, 60 plus points and then they'd go to, you know, sign a free agent deal, you know, making good money and they do absolutely nothing and they disappear into nothingness, grumpy old man. John Tavares was able to translate and to bring, he, you know, he, he was, he was a guy who, if you were on his line, he was able to lift up, you know, he was able to lift up your sales, grumpy old man. And I think Matt Barzal does the same thing. I think that just because Matt Barzal hasn't had as, enough, as much time as John Tavares is the reason I put John Tavares currently at number one. Yeah, that's, that, that is the main reason. I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. John Tavares kind of helped bring the organization out of some really dark times. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. I won't give that one. I mean, given before Tavares was here, we were hideous. We were bad. But even towards the end, Grumpy Old Man, we were still a laughing stock when John Tavares was on the team. It wasn't until Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz came that we became no longer a laughing stock. I think, sure, you know, John Tavares might help a little bit, but I think, you know, the big determining factor for that was Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo. Yeah, but remember, we made the playoffs for the first time in forever. When Tavares was there, that was before uh, Lamarillo and Trotz. And that I'm was not- in 2015, right, Grumpy, where we beat the Florida Panthers. Was it 2015? 
Yes. Okay. And, you know, you can't minimize that. I mean, think about the clown we had running the show and the ridiculous coach that we had at the time, right? And still they were able to do it. And he carried us to that first-round playoff victory. He and Grice, really, uh, were just sensational. And even in the next round that we wound up losing, I mean, it wasn't because of, the, of uh, John, uh, John Tavares. It just wasn't. And is he as good – is he as talented a player as Matt Barzell? No, I don't believe so. And I think in a few years – Matt Barzal is going to overtake him. I think, a- I think Matt Barzal, Grump, I want to interrupt. You said as talented of a player. I think with – I think John, with Tavares, not, I, John Tavares has the ability to make others around him better. He – I think he's a – I think he's a more intuitive player than Matt Barzal. I think Matt Barzal, it has more skill. And I think – I mean, I looked at him tonight – and to me, he's taking a quantum leap jump. Well, that's what I was about to say before you cut me off, Grump. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. But I think I think Matt Barzal probably has the most room to grow, right? With John Tavares, he did have room to grow when he was originally a rookie and young. But, I mean, he's kind of capped out. I'll be honest with you, Grumpy, because if you can't skate, there's there's nothing you could do really to become a better skater. If you just – you're not a great skater, you're never going to be a great skater. You can become, you know, an adequate skater, but never a great skater. And, you know, I, I think obviously John Tavares has probably a better shot than Matt Barzal. I think instinct-wise, you're right. I think John Tavares – would shoot the puck nine times out of ten more often than Matt Barzal. And again, when you put the puck towards the net, good things happen, right? I think Barzal's been making strides in that category. But again, there's still a lot of room for improvement. I think when you're talking about who's you know better with on, on the puck, I think it's definitely Matt Barzal. Stronger on the skates, I think Matt Barzal as well on that. Uh, but I think Matt Barzal has more room to grow than John Tavares does. Again, John is an extremely talented player, though. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think you should sell Tavares short. Uh, I think he was more his style. I think he was more of a finished product when he came into the league, and he didn't have the natural ability. I think he has tremendous hockey sense, probably more than Matt Barzal, but Matt Barzal has uh, more innate skill, uh, and I think that's why he can continue to grow. I mean, like I said, what I saw tonight, he took a quantum leap jump from last year. I realize it's only one game, and it's the Rangers. But he looked really, really strong on his skates. And grumpy old man. Remember, Matt Barzal owns the Rangers. Both Matt Barzal and Anthony Bavilla usually perform extremely well against the Rangers. So obviously playing them eight times this season is definitely going to benefit their stat sheet. Absolutely. And like I said, I think about it, he's only 23 years old. So I think he's just going to get better. And I think playing for Barry Trotz will make him a better overall player for certain. I would have loved to have seen what – Barry Trotz could have done for John Tavares's game. I mean, think about it. Think about up and down the center, right? Think about it. If you had Tavares, Barzell, and Nelson with Sezikis, you're loaded at center. I will tell you this much, Grumpy. We never would have had the cap space to keep a guy like Barzal if we had the team and structured the way it is now. I mean, if we had, if we still had John Tavares, there's no way I think we signed back Brock Nelson. Um, I mean, we just wouldn't have had the cap space. You can't pay all the, can't pay all those players. That being said, you know. I'm not too upset. I I think John Tavares is what he is. I think maybe he would have been a, a you know more defensive-minded forward if he was here with Barry Trotz. That being said, again, those people who are picked in the first round and picked in the top five and picked number one overall, if you can't skate, 
unfortunately, it limits you so much because he's got a lot of abilities. He could really shoot the puck. I think he's got great instincts, as we mentioned earlier, but I mean, he just can't, he's just not an adequate skater. I mean, maybe he's an adequate skater at this point in his career, but the older he gets, you don't, you won't be able to keep at that adequate level where a guy like Matt Barzal is always going to be able to skate, even in the later years of his career. Yeah, I mean, your Freudian slip aside, where you said you don't hate him, we know you do, and that's fine. It's a Freudian slip, Grumpy. That, that's what I said, Freudian okay. slip. Okay, gotcha. It went in and out from my side. Yes. Uh, you know, but, you know, I didn't care that he left, honestly. Uh, I did, it did bother me that they didn't trade him for something. They, he, they got played by him. Uh, that bothered me. But you know what? If you're a free agent and as a general manager, once again – I'll go back to being a general manager. If you don't have a guy like that locked up a year before his deal expires, time to move him. You, you can't get nothing for a player of that caliber like they got. I mean, hell, think about even what the Islanders gave up for a guy like Thomas Vanek. At the time period, he was you know, a really good winger, but he was entering the last year of his contract. And hell, what the Islanders had to give up two firsts and a second round pick for Thomas Vanek. Again, a guy like John Tavares, I think, was much more skilled even at that time period than a guy like Vanek. So, you know, you always wonder what you could have had draft capital wise uh, if, you know, Tavares was traded preemptively. But again, you know, it's neither here nor there. It's well past due. But yeah, I, I do agree, Grumpy Old Man. As of this point right now, I put John Tavares as a better pick than Matt Barzal at the moment. Not saying that I think Matt Barzal eventually will overtake that position. But right now, John, John Tavares is number one there. And as far as Lou Lamarillo's drafting for the Islanders so far, I'm underwhelmed. Oh, grump, grump, grump. I know you don't give him credit for guys like Noah Dobson Absolutely. and Wallstrom. Absolutely. But- You're not giving credit for those guys because he was hired. Those picks were already there. That's correct. Those picks were – that was all that work was done before he got there. Okay. Well, Grumpy, again, we haven't had many first-round picks for Lou Lamarillo besides one, and he's your favorite pick, Grumpy Old Man, in recent history, Simon Holmstrom. But, again, we'll wait. The jury's still out. He's young yet, Grumpy. Um, Is there anything else you want to say before we kind of conclude and wrap up this finale of, you know, Islander draft champs? We covered the first round. Uh, Is there anything else you want to say, Grumpy? It just proved what I knew all along. The olden days were always the best. What that Bill Torrey was amazing at drafting talented players in the first round and thereafter. And the Islanders were winning championships. And then you got these other ham and eggers come in here, don't know what they're doing. And that's why we've been a loser. The good old days with the grumpy old man. And that back during the Millberry time period, we traded away a few future Hall of Famers. You know, things we already knew, grumpy old man. Uh, for certain. But is there anything that you want to say before we wrap up today's podcast? Yeah, seriously. That's why it's best to build through the draft and not trade play, trade draft picks and young players for established veterans who cost more, especially in salary cap year, right? You have to have cost certainty, and that's what you can do with younger players. You have to be able to draft well. The teams that draft well and are able to keep costs down, those are the teams that contend every year. And the ones that don't, don't. And Grumpy old man, you hit the nail on the head. Well, thank you for being a part of the podcast today, as always, Grumpy. My pleasure. And thanks so much, guys, for listening. I know Grumpy old man and myself really did enjoy getting to go through the uh, different draft gems and Islanders history and breaking it down round by round. I know Grumpy doesn't do a lot of research, but I'll tell you one thing. Grumpy 
Grumpy enjoyed the research and, and looking back on yesteryear, back during the Islanders' glory days. So I know he was definitely excited for this podcast series. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Grumpy, for taking a part of this and, and doing a lot of the legwork. I do always appreciate that. Thank you. All righty.